Welcome to the Soul Connection Duo podcast. We are your hosts, Alexa and Sydney, and we are so excited to have you here with us today. Get ready to connect to your soul and start healing within. Today, our guest is Bree Walta. Bree is a relationship clarity coach who is passionate about helping others find clarity and freedom from dysfunctional relationships. Bree's own healing journey and natural talent for holding safe space allows her to walk alongside her clients as they learn to recognize red flags, shut the revolving door of dysfunctional relationships, and heal their unhealthy patterns. She utilizes a combination of process coaching, energetic and somatic healing, and spiritual work to help clients come back home to themselves and consciously choose a life free of codependency, chaos, and confusion. As a forever seeker with a curious mindset, Bree is drawn to deep, meaningful conversations and intentional self-work. She is a nature lover and dark chocolate fanatic who leans into the special feeling of accomplishment and perseverance that only a good workout can provide. Welcome to the Soul Connection Duo podcast, Bree, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Thanks, Brie. I was laughing a little bit inside about that that last sentence, the dark chocolate fanatic. I love that you put that in there for us. Um, Where are you joining us from today? Um, I'm in Colorado. Oh, cool. We just interviewed someone the other day who is also from Colorado. So Um, where are you you guys um, located? Uh, BC, Canada. Canada. Okay. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Well, so nice to meet you. We're so excited to learn a little bit more and chat with you. Um, Obviously, today, this topic is kind of focused on relationships. Um, You're kind of the first person we've had on to kind of come on and talk about this topic. So we're really excited. Um, And I'm sure our listeners will be very excited to listen to this as well. Um, Do you mind just telling us a little bit more about yourself and how you got into this kind of work as a relationship coach? Yeah, absolutely. I think in many ways as coaches and therapists find themselves into helping roles it's because we went through something that led us there so I talk about uh, you know sort of the perfect foundation that was laid in my childhood for me to be pretty codependent be raised in some chaotic environments so I was really sort of primed to attract people in relationships that were dysfunctional and to continue to play out my dysfunction as well in those relationships. So that, you know, went through a series of romantic relationships, friendships, um, work environments, it all kind of, we don't segregate one part of our life. Usually if we're, if we're good at handling chaos and like people who can stir up chaos for us, we find them in many places of our life. So I, I went through many years of living in relationships like that. And it was this last relationship that I was in that I, I label as considerably toxic and dysfunctional. There's a scale obviously of toxic and dysfunctional relationships. And the relationship that I had been in was four years long. And while I was in it, you know, it started as that very fairy tale, too good to be true taking extravagant trips across the world. And this person was everything I wanted and everything I dreamed of. And we shared all the same interests and hobbies. And it felt like a dream. It felt like Prince Charming. What we look, what, you know, especially our age, like what we're, what yeah. we were primed with, with the old school Disney movies. Mm-hmm. And that, that lasted for about a year or so. And then subtly things just started to, you know, become more normal as they do in relationships. There's always a period of that sort of honeymoon stage, right? But this was an extreme. So I talk about this with clients often where it's like, if it feels too good to be true, it probably is, (laughs) probably is. Mm -hmm. So as things started to normalize and, and issues started coming up and it started being less fun all of the time, I started seeing different sides to my partner come out. And it, you, me being a codependent person in that relationship, you know, I started walking on eggshells. I held in my feelings and my needs because if I tried to bring them up, I either was like spun around so fast that I was confused on what I even was feeling or I was made to 
understand that it was wrong that I was feeling that or it was my fault so I just learned like it's not worth it it's not worth it to bring it up it's not worth it to start another fight to ruin another weekend whatever so I stuffed down all of my emotions all of my feelings became pretty numb and very um like when I when I would explain my relationship or my problems to my friends it was sort of like, we're fine. Like relationships are just supposed to be hard, you know? And it was just this baseline of like, I was miserable, but not really letting myself feel it or letting other people see it. And after we ended up splitting, even people who knew us, we, we had a professional sort of existence together as well as a romantic one. And people were like, we thought you guys were the, the ideal couple, the happiest couple. I was like, I know, because that was curated, like that was on purpose. Um, so it looked like that for a little while and COVID happened. And I mean, that just shone a light on all of the shit, like mm-hmm. toxic or not toxic. Like that was just a rough yeah. situation. <laughs> um, and it was, it was a slow awakening process for me where I was starting to be like, I really am miserable and I'm waking up every day anxious when he's next to me. And like, when I see his name on my phone, I get anxiety. And, and these little things were starting to add up as probably not okay. And we ended up taking uh, a couple nosedives in the relationship and then getting back together and trying to figure it out. And I just came to the realization of, I was becoming a person in the relationship that I, I didn't recognize. I didn't know myself I was anxious I was angry I was yelling back in fights and I'm a very non-combative person um I was jealous all the time he you know had me thinking he was gonna be with other women like all of the things that you is your worst nightmare and so building up the courage and the understanding that I needed to leave that was like the hardest thing I've ever done And I've been through some shit in my life, but that was like the first thing that was in my full control to change. And that was scary as hell as you're like, is this the right decision? Will it get better? Like hanging on to that hope place. I I call it potential land. And I lived in potential land for probably two and a half years (laughs) too long. Mm -hmm. Um, So coming out of that and just having this leap, you know, this trust of this leap of faith of like, even being single or, or ending this has got to be better than I feel right now. So doing that and going through the process, the healing process that comes with being in a dysfunctional relationship. And in my case, I was with, I would, I would label him as a narcissist and it was very hurtful and there was a lot of betrayal and there was, um, just confusion, so much confusion around the grief that comes with any relationship ending. So when I was able to move through that and integrate that experience, I had always wanted to be a coach. I always wanted to offer wisdom in some way, because I've always sort of had that role in friendships and family. People come to me for, to share and they come for me to advice for advice. And so I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know what coaching even was or how to even do that, like in a professional sense. Um, But after I went through that experience, I was like, oh, I think I need to help other people first be able to identify if they're in a relationship that's healthy or not, because that's confusing in and of itself. Mm -hmm. And then be able to stop going back, like let go of the the potential land, the, the hope place, and then like heal from something that's very confusing to understand and so the baseline of all of that is like I help people find clarity in their relationships (laughs) so that's how the title was born that's how the work that I do was born and getting to walk alongside women in this journey of waking up and of finding you know the lights turning back on you're just like that's you like that's your soul again Mm -hmm. it's it's like I'm speechless with all my clients I love them so much (laughs) I'm speechless in hearing that just wow, because I think this is something that so many of us go through as we um, go along in our relationships. I know I've been there and um, so many of my friends I've seen go through those, those struggles and be in those type of relationships where 
they may not know, they may not even know it's toxic. They may not know how to get out of it. And you're right, that grieving process can be so taxing on you as you're exiting the relationship um, or trying to move on further from it. Um, and so people like you are so needed. Thank you for the work that you're doing, Brie. That's amazing. Um, when you talk about the grieving part of it, like there's so much potential for growth as well in yeah. when we exit these relationships. How do you like start the process in talking to people who either know they're in these type of relationships or think they might be? Mm -hmm. I bring them back into reality. So we do a lot of data collecting and that's one of my favorite things to do because data is undeniable. So the reason we stay in these relationships and we fight ourselves and you know our head is saying one thing, our heart is saying another thing, like we're making all of the justifications, we're seeing all the red flags, but we're like, that wasn't that red. Like that, you know, <laughs> he didn't mean it. He didn't mean it for the seventh time, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Um, and we convince ourselves that it's not that bad so that we can not have to make a big potential scary change. So we, like as humans, we wanna avoid pain, of course. And so the, the pain that comes or the fear that comes with change is part of it. It's, you're gonna change something. You don't yet know what the, the new thing is gonna be or how it's gonna feel, but at least this, this bullshit that you're in right now is like familiar. You know, you like, you kind of know how to manage it. You kind of know how to pace around the moods or to like just cower in the fight to make it stop. Like, you know how to play the, play the game. And even though it's miserable, it's familiar. So mm -hmm. getting people, getting their, wrapping their head around, first of all, how bad it is, like on paper, black and white, what is happening to you in your day-to-day, hour-to-hour, like we're not talking about when you first met and you were going on trips and you were in bliss because that's also something that happens where it's like, no, we're great. We like, we travel all the time. It's like, when's the last time you took a trip that was pleasant, <laughs> right? When's the last time you guys had a conversation that you weren't, didn't end up in a fight. And the, the like awareness that comes when they put it down on paper is tremendous and they're just like oh my god <laughs> so and that's and awareness is always the first step because if we are staying unaware it's a nice numbing mechanism to what we're actually feeling so we got to bring them got to bring them into reality first and foremost totally um and I think a question I have too in regards to your work is um I'm assuming you probably work with people at kind of all stages of relationships but um, I know oftentimes you'll hear pe people go to couples counseling, things like that. Is that kind of similar what you, you do or do you get people like come like one person of the relationship come to you that's kind of feeling that way or do you work with um, like the couple? Yeah, that's a good question. So I don't do couples work. Um, I've had clients that I've worked with before that are still in relationships that want to want to make the relationship better. Mm -hmm. And the work that we do together is to help them get really clear on what is theirs to change and what's in their control to change. Okay. So I've referred out to couples therapists or couples coaches that work in tandem or that, you know, they take a break with me and they do couples. Right. Usually what happens with the, the people who are attracted to my Instagram page and my, you know, what I do mm -hmm. know on some level that the relationship is probably not salvageable. Mm -hmm. And they've probably tried. So they've, you know, they're solely listening to all the podcasts. They are, they know their attachment style. They know their partner's attachment style. They're trying to fix the attachment together, like by themselves. They're doing therapy for both of them. You know, they're, they're the ones going above and beyond because they want change. And their partner is showing them again, time and time that they don't care. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, they're telling you that they want this relationship, but then their actions don't show it, or they don't meet you halfway in the, the efforting of it. So usually I get the, the people who reach out to me who are like, I've tried everything and I either A, can't get him or her to change, or I don't know what to do. 
So it's been, I've had a couple of clients who are still in marriages and remain in marriages and are making progress on their side of the street. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is true. Like I work with people in all sort of ranges and severity of dysfunctional relationships. Right. So a lot of the time, and correct me if I'm wrong, it kind of sounds like you're kind of helping these people who are having a hard time letting go of these relationships do like I guess essentially what they probably should be doing and need to do by leaving it right and not feeling guilty or dealing with that grief of losing that person etc yeah 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 because not only does the confusion of what it is keep us there Mm -hmm. but the wanting to avoid the grief keeps us there Mm -hmm. like oh I've been with him for four five six twenty years like the amount of time you've invested keeps us there there's yeah. so many things that keep us there when our our mind knows our body knows that it's not right our intuition is trying to talk and we have shut that shit off so fast like it's mm-hmm. like when we can reconnect that and when we can help you process your emotions and get your nervous system safe feeling safe then you can really start to understand what your body is communicating and I mean, oftentimes on the very first call that I have with, with, I work majorly with women, but I do work with men also. Um, they're like, I know I need to leave, but, or I know this is bad, but mm-hmm. I know I should see the red flags, but like they, they know they see it. They just can't accept it. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of the work that we do is the, the clarity and the acceptance part of it. Right. hmm Yeah, I'm like getting full body chills as you say that, because I know like after being there myself, I know I've had some friends also like more recently kind of say these same things that you're saying, right? Where it's, they're doing all the therapy, they're doing all these things and they know exactly what their partner could be doing, but they're not doing it. And so hearing you say that just really it's resonating is so true. And it's just kind of echoing as um, I know some of my friends who have recently exited relationships or maybe are still in those same relationships. Um, And so I think one of the things that I saw recently on your Instagram page too, was this um, one of your recent posts said something along the lines of like the fear of being alone is kind of keeping you there. And I know that's something that I've heard from um a couple friends of mine as to it it goes along with that wasting of time but it also is yeah I don't want to be alone I don't know what to do on my own and what what would one of the things that you'd say to a client be if that that was one of the things holding them in that space yeah I don't often use absolutes but in my experience so far the reason that we're afraid, and, and I lump myself into this category too, because this was my experience also, we're afraid to be alone because we don't know ourselves. We have been in relationships where we've been so externally focused on meeting other people's needs, you know, becoming whatever we need to become for them to love us, doing whatever we need to do to get the external validation that we don't know what we value we don't know what we need we don't know what we want we don't know what we like we don't know what we dislike we don't even know the type of person that we want to be with but anybody who likes us we like you know Mm -hmm. if you're interested in me then I'm interested in you and it doesn't really matter if we share interests or you can meet my needs it's just it feels so good to be wanted that that's how we end up in relationships without even knowing who we are so the, the idea of then having to give all of that to yourself, give the validation to yourself, get to know yourself, like that's a big bite to mm-hmm. take. And that's hard work. It's, it's such really hard. hard work. Yeah, yeah. Going into stillness when you're used to chaos is, I equate it to a detox. Like that is as uncomfortable as it feels. When you take away the distraction and you take away the other person being the fuck up so that you can fix them and worry about them. And there's always some sort of problem to figure out when you take away all that distraction, you're left with you and you're left with your own thoughts. You're left with your own emotions that often, if you've been cut off from yourself 
for your the majority of your life emotions are foreign they like we don't actually know how to how to feel them how to express them in a way that lets them move and then lets them fall like we think that if we let the sadness come or let the anger come that it's gonna be like a like a tsunami that we get sucked into when in reality it's like it is a big wave but when the wave comes then you get reprieve so learning how to do those things is it's scary and if you don't have support in any sort of you know detox if you I don't know if you've detoxed from anything before but if you take away all of the things that make you feel at least numb or at least okay you're left pretty raw and exposed and -hmm. vulnerable and so when you remove the chaos you are like at your like prime to want to jump back into it because things are so uncomfortable so if you don't have support during that period that's why we keep going back right Mm -hmm. that's why we're like this sucks I'm trying to sit here I'm trying to feel my emotions and now he's sending me a message that he's changed and he's the person that he always promised he would be and like yeah I want that I'm gonna go there (laughs) totally yeah Yeah. and it's so easy at that point to to Mm -hmm. jump right back and I I know like what you're saying about the um process of learning yourself I think like I attribute a lot of my own awakening process to the fact that I was in a relationship like that for quite some time and the part when I left really made me look at myself and go what the hell was I doing why was I there and well now I'm in a space where like if I see that person around I'm like thank you you know it's I learned so much from that and thank you for doing the things that you did because it really taught me what I needed to learn about myself at the time and it still teaches me now when I'm in a more healthy relationship um, and learning obviously all relationships teach us they're one of our biggest teachers but um, to really go through that and learn about yourself on the other end there is that blessing of it too oh yeah and can I ask what was sort of the 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 final straw for you to be able to actually walk away? Um, you know, that's a good question. I think it was, I had to recognize it for myself. I yeah. think um, I was getting it from all sides of like all my friends, all my family were like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. And I, I couldn't answer it yeah. in an honest way because I didn't know what I was doing. It was like, he it was one of my first love experiences and um I kept going back and I think there was just a point where I was like actually what the fuck am I doing they're right and (laughs) but I needed to realize it for myself it took a long time to get there and I think that was it it was me having to actually take a good look in the mirror and say okay everyone who loves me is actually saying the right things (laughs) yeah which is a good you know if if you're listening to this and you have a friend who's in the situation where they keep going back the worst thing that you can do for them is to tell them how shitty the man or the man or the woman is Mm -hmm. right that is the worst thing you can do because what that does for the person in the relationship is it makes them jump into like protective mode for the Mm -hmm. person right Whereas your friend's like, he's a piece of shit. Like, what are you doing? And you're like, he's not that bad. Like he's trying, he says he's going to go to therapy or, you know, Mm -hmm. you, you start defending. Mm -hmm. And so you have to support and love them in a way that helps them realize what it is without bombarding them with what it is, because clearly they, they know on some level, it's not great, but they probably feel an immense amount of shame and guilt around staying or being there anyway and a ton of confusion on why they are still there so piling on more shame is not the way to get through to your friend or your family member whoever it is no it's like it's probably what they need to hear but it's not helpful in the moment yeah I think there are ways that you can help them hear you without outwardly telling them that they're an idiot for going back (laughs) and to your point about the, um, you know, the lessons from relationships, I 
I don't, I don't know if, if my circumstance, if I didn't have the level of bitch slap from the universe that I got, when I ended the relationship, it was like worst case scenario on all levels, physical safety, emotional safety. Like it, it turned into something very scary. And it was in that moment that a, I got confirmation that I made the right choice because I kept going back and forth in my head of like, I don't like, I just need to know for sure. I need to know for sure if I should leave or if I should stay. And so I got that confirmation. And the second thing was I got all of this awareness around the patterns that I was allowing because of my own patterns. So it helped me wake up from my codependency and from this need from chaotic people and from this wanting to fix men and like all of, all of the things that I was doing that I had full control over changing, which was beautiful after, right? After the fact, it was painful to move through. But if you allow yourself to move through it and learn from it, it's worth it. I mean, that's such a, like, I hate that term, but it is, you know, it's like, it hurts. And if you allow it to teach you, it will. Mm-hmm. Um, I have like a slightly different topic that I don't know if you'd work with, but I'm just feeling like I should ask it anyways. Yeah. Um, basically, long story short, I lost my partner in an accident three and a half years ago. Um, after he passed, like, you know, you go from having your person for so long and then having no one and you do feel really lost, you know, you've lost, you can't even, you know, you don't even have that person communicating back to you anymore. You're just on your own. Um, do you work with people who are like widowed or people that have gone through losses in regards to, um, kind of recovering from losing that relationship? I know that might get a little more into grief coaching, but as well, I know for me, like it was super scary getting back out there and like dating again after that loss I'm wondering if you like work with anyone in regards to that kind of different process or if it's mostly just unhealthy relationship yeah Yeah. oh well first of all so sorry to hear that that had to be a tremendous um I don't even have words of what that must have (laughs) to lose somebody unexpectedly like that that you were sharing your life with so I'm 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 really sorry to hear that (laughs) Thank you. Sorry, I didn't mean, mean to turn this into like a sad conversation. No. I'm just really curious because I know like after he passed, like quite a while after I was in these support groups with other people that had lost and I'm in a new relationship now a year and a half after he had passed. But, you know, I've had people say to me, oh, I'm surprised you're so dating so quickly again. Or I've had people say, oh, why aren't you going back out there again? Like six months later. So I'm just wondering you know, you get all of that. So I'm wondering if you've worked with anyone and like advice for people who've been through that. Cause it's, it's a hard situation. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I, I haven't been through it personally, but I can imagine mm. that, that was very hard. I don't work with people specifically in that, um, in that situation, but there are a lot of things that I work with, with clients that would help with that. I think mm-hmm. in really at the basis of what I'm doing is helping them understand themselves and what they need and how to access like their truth. Again, because we're so disconnected from who we are, we're looking for other people for the answers. We're finding these people who, who play into our dysfunctions. So like getting, getting feedback from people and you should do this and you should do this. And why are you doing this? It's like Mm -hmm. first being able to see that as a projection of their own shit yeah and like that's cool that that's your preference but that's not mine Mm -hmm. and so to be able to be so clear with who you are at your core and to know that like dating feels right for me right now not from a place of running from my feelings but from a place of being ready to open your heart again like that's a that's a big step and that's something that only you will know when you're ready to make Mm -hmm. yeah and so helping people be able to tune into their own voice their own understanding their own knowing and being able to not let everyone else's shit sway them Mm -hmm. because that's also what happens when we don't when we don't have the confidence from you know within from Mm -hmm. the internal it's like oh shit maybe I am doing it wrong even though this feels right I need to do it this way because that's what society is saying I need to do 
and that's not helpful for you totally. and it's yeah. not genuine yeah mm. well awesome thank you for answering that question I definitely do think that like you know after he passed I was so lost because I had relied on him for everything and it, it was not a unhealthy relationship by any means but I think that piece that you were saying of like finding your truest self and helping people like um, find themselves first before you're in a relation. And of course we were really young, whatever, but like, um, yeah, I think that's a huge piece. And that's just kind of like what popped in my brain when you were talking about that. So I felt yeah. like I should ask, but yeah. yeah. What, what was helpful for you in your grieving process? Was there something specifically that, that stood out? Um, I think like, honestly, this like spirituality, it did take her, obviously I did like really intense, like counseling, EMDR was pretty traumatic. So I did like a lot of like, I guess the more like Western medicine approach to things. And I do have a nursing background too. So I kind of started off with that approach. And then um, what really helped me after was like discovering a lot more like energy work um, in regards to like my nervous system and healing the trauma. And then spirituality was I guess probably over the last year now, I would say more so has been like huge for me. Um, so yeah, that's all been huge, but yeah, like really just, you know, being surrounded by friends and family and, um, yeah, you know, like you lost that person that you thought you'd be with forever. And so you just go from having that to like, it really feels like you don't have anyone, but you do have all these supports. So just remembering that. So yeah, I've, I've done like a whole slew of things, but um, I think the spirituality thing is definitely something that's um, really like, I guess, deepened my healing and escalated it a little bit and allowed me to just like view life and loss and death, everything in like a completely different way. So yeah, that's been, yeah. that's been huge for me, but the dating thing was really scary to get back out there. So that's why I was like, you know, it maybe would have been nice to have a relationship coach back then. Cause I mean, I have a counselor obviously, but I was like, I don't even know how to do this. Like it was terrifying. So it's obviously yeah. a very different situation. And, you know, I'm young, I'm not 50 or six years old where it happens a little bit more, but, but yeah, it's been interesting uh, few years. The spirituality is a big part of healing and I, whatever form of spirituality comes for you, I had that experience too, where it was like the first time that I was able to let go of some control around this pressure that I felt like I had to under, like had to make my life work a certain way. And it was like, these things happen that are so beyond anything that we would comprehend. Mm -hmm. And looking back, it all makes sense, you know? So there's this level of like, okay, well, I'm held somehow by something, somewhere, some entity, some energy whatever it is mm -hmm. and being able to allow yourself to not only be supported by your friends and family but like also be supported by the bigger the bigger integration of it totally. is also really helpful in in healing because healing has to happen on so many different levels right we have to be able to process and understand we have to be able to move the energy from our body we have to be able to like spiritually open our energy and our heart and you know there's so many it's so complex mm -hmm. yeah I really wish like I had I don't know I guess everything kind of happened the way it should have for me and like my grieving healing process but um yeah I I'm like almost bummed I didn't discover like spirituality and this side of things sooner but for me like it does most people as you were saying it often does take something really awful or difficult to kind of wake up to that so speaking on that note do you incorporate any spiritual practices into your work with clients yeah yeah mm -hmm. spirituality is a, a very important part to for to me for my clients mm -hmm. um I, I work with spirit oracle cards and so we we pull cards at the end of every session to just be able to offer another message for them to resonate with or you know think about something differently and it's amazing that every, any card that comes out for any client is like the perfect message they need to hear and there's not a way that I can create that you know that just that just is and so being able to offer that to clients of even if you don't have never worked with cards before or you don't have a spiritual practice or you think it's a bunch of hokey pokey like <laughs> you see you see them start to open into the possibility 
Yeah. And even that in itself is like healing. Mm-hmm. That yeah. maybe there's a possibility. <laughs> um, the other really cool piece that I use in my uh, coaching containers is a cord cutting ceremony. Are you guys familiar with cord cutting? Yeah, but maybe if you want to explain it, just in yeah. case our listeners don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah. I'm always just like genuinely curious on who who's either done it or like understood what it is. And mm-hmm. I think I do it a little bit differently than the traditional cord cutting. Um, so in essence, it's an energetic detachment from an ener- energy that's not serving you. So you can cut a cord with a person. Um, you can cut a cord with a thing. And the way that I lead the ceremony is being able to cut a cord with a past version of yourself. So through our work together, you know, we're finding all this clarity around who they are and who they want to show up in the world as. And so in the same token, they're also getting very clear on what what wasn't working. Mm -hmm. So the version of them that was in the dysfunctional relationship or, you know, that was what kept going back to the same type of person, being able to let go of the need for her to continue to move your life forward. Because if you think about like that energy being an anchor to where you're trying to move, you're trying to, you're trying to go up, you're trying to move forward and you just have this anchor behind you. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that version of you. Like she led you to the here and now you Mm -hmm. learned a lot through being that, that person. And you're also ready to not have to relearn the same thing over and over. So if you can let go of her or him, right, from a place of love and honor, it's so freeing. It's Mm -hmm. so, and I've had clients have tremendous experiences with the past version of themselves where they're like, she was like holding back the darkness and like yelling at me to go, like, go, like, you don't need me anymore, you know? And they get these, they get these messages. They get this understanding that it's okay to move forward. Mm-hmm. And that they're going to be fine. And that that's, that's the true um, direction of what their soul wants to do. And so allowing them to have that internal experience, it's just, you know, I'm leading a guided meditation is mm-hmm. what, the, what it feels like to them. Um, but it's, it gets them into a theta brainwave. And so they're able to access parts of their, their unconscious that we don't in normal life we have to lower our defenses so it's a very cool ceremonial like commitment ceremony to yourself that's so beautiful I think like that's so important and that's such a cool way to do it because when we maybe exit a relationship or grieve something we're also grieving this past version of ourselves so if we can release that too in a way that's like beautiful as you've just outlined in a cord cutting ceremony I think that's a perfect way to do it to really set up for success and saying goodbye to that the forgiveness too that has to come like I remind my client like the basis of what I do is compassion work you know it's like Mm -hmm. we can't we can't hate ourselves into loving ourselves like there are decisions that we made there are behaviors we accepted that we wouldn't now with the information we have now, but you didn't know that then, you know, you were doing the best with what you had. And so to be able to forgive that version of you for whatever it was that was so painful and not even really needing to forgive the person, like that's the part when I was going through my healing work, my therapist, you know, with good intentions was, was offering the idea of like if you forgive him it frees you and I was like I don't forgive him though like I don't mm-hmm. he did he did some unforgivable things <laughs> and it was really hard for me to wrap my head around that and because he had done such horrific things I had to almost treat it like a death and then I had to forgive myself for allowing that and for taking that behavior so it was an interesting shift of what I needed in my brain to be able to be like, okay, this is, this is about me with me, not about you. Like, I can't, I can't be bothered with what you're doing anymore. (laughs) Like I need to just focus on myself and releasing all of that, that kept him in my life in the ways that he was. That can be the hardest part though. Just like, yeah. 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 Well, and there's finality in that. 
So you have to be at the True. place where you know that like, yeah, I don't want to go back there. I don't want to be that person who is texting them every 10 minutes because I don't trust them. And I don't want to be that person who, you know, whatever the behavior is, you have to be ready. You have to be ready to want something different. And that takes time. Mm -hmm. There's no shame in, in going back a few times and needing to see that, like, I, I call it, it's data collecting, right? Every time you go back, you get a new set of data. Like, did he, did he hold true to what he promised you when he, you got that message that was like, I've changed, I love you, whatever. Like, okay, you had a good week and then what? Like, yeah. And that's repeated how many times, you know? And it's just a matter of seeing it in reality. Mm -hmm. And did you have to do any like courses or anything? Or did you just learn all of this and take all this in from your own experiences and now you're just helping people from mm -hmm. that? Cause that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Well, both and. I don't know how it works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, you know, talking about the universe, how it sets us mm -hmm. up. Yeah. Um, during uh, quarantine, I was presented with the opportunity to take a course in shamanism. And it was my introduction to spirituality. I was like, this is cool. I'm kind of bored. Like, I'm going to do this. A, a really good friend of mine was leading the course. And um, it was like mind blowing. Like, mm -hmm because religion never made sense to me going to church and like the whole concept of it just didn't make sense yeah. and so I hadn't yeah. been I hadn't been a spirit or a, a religious person and hadn't really thought about what spirituality was other than like I knew I liked meditating and like thinking about the you know the earth and her beauty right but that was kind of the extent of, of what I was doing and so taking this course in shamanism one of the one of the things that we learned was the cord cutting ceremony. And it was the, the part of the course where I was like, I think I've done this before. Like it, it just clicked in a way that was, I'm like, I think I had previous lifetimes somehow doing something like this because it came way too naturally for me. And when I would offer sessions for people, especially during the, the course in the very beginning, they were like, how are you like how did you do that like that already and I'm like it just flows out of me like I don't I don't know I don't need a script I don't like whatever it just like something a channel opens yeah. and so that <laughs> that was like the most um course coursey course, thing yeah. I guess I've done I've been in the addiction field um for like 10 years now and have learned a lot through clinical trainings and different things in that regard. I'm not a licensed therapist. Mm -hmm. um, I have an undergrad in psychology and I've always been fascinated with human behavior. Mm -hmm. So through my own therapy, through yeah. learning, like it just all kind of connected, yeah. melting pot of, of tools I pull from. Right, that's amazing. <laughs> That is so cool. It's always really interesting to hear how people like find their way into these um, either coaching or kind of niche modalities that we, we talk to people all the time. And um, it's never just like, oh, I really thought this was a cool idea. It's like this roundabout way that the universe just leads you to, <laughs> to the thing you're supposed to be doing. So, yeah. so cool to hear that. And I, you know, I struggled for a long time with thinking I needed the accreditations and, you know, I'm like, I need to go to ICF or, you know, whatever and, and get the, get the plaque. And everyone I talked to was like, like, you have been a coach your whole life. Like, what are you talking about? You don't need someone to tell you how to coach. Like mm -hmm. you might need help in the business realm of it, like learning how to yeah. do business stuff, but like, why? And, and so I had to trust myself a lot on you know, in the beginning, mostly of just trusting that I was credentialed to work mm -hmm. with people. But the the baseline of being able to make change in your life, whether it's with a therapist or a coach, is feeling safe. Mm -hmm. So if you if you feel safe with the person who's holding space for you and they know how to hold space, that's like that's 95% of it. Mm -hmm. The other the other education and and things we learn about codependency and boundaries and whatever, all of that is helpful, but being safe enough to make change is it. That's it. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for somebody to help you do something like that, like make sure you feel, you feel a good rapport with them and that you feel like you can share 
honestly whatever you're thinking or feeling or working through because if you have to edit yourself for your coach or your therapist like that's not the right that's not the right fit mm-hmm. yeah yeah you definitely need to have that r- rapport and establish that trust with someone so that you can share accurate information so you can get yeah. proper help that you need so yeah. I, yeah. I also have clients say to me pretty consistently that they they decided to work with me because I've been through it mm-hmm. and they've had experiences with therapists in the past and and whether the therapist has been through it or not they can't disclose in mm-hmm. in sort of roundabout ways they can if they want to but like yeah. in general therapists are held to much different rules than coaches are totally. and so I start every welcome session with like there is absolutely nothing that you can say to me or do that I haven't done thought or like considered yeah. you know it's like it's so interesting that all of us have such common experiences in these relationships mm-hmm. and they're everybody thinks they're so isolated in the experience by themselves mm-hmm. and when they start sharing and and the power of the group coaching that I do is incredible for that because they might know that I've been through it but they don't know anybody else has Mm-hmm. So being in a group of other women where someone's sharing and processing something about their father that led them here and they're like, oh my God, I had the same experience. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's so, it's so powerful to be witnessed and to totally. be like in, in that common um, experience with somebody. Totally. The power of being in a group and healing with other people. Um, that are there for the same reason as you, even if they don't have the exact same story or thing that's happened, there's just something so incredibly powerful behind that too. So groups are amazing. (laughs) I'm in the process right now of going through an EFT certification. Mm. Um, If you don't know what EFT is, it's emotional freedom technique and it's tapping is a more common name for it. And being in a group of other people where I am the student, right? I'm learning all of these things about mm-hmm. tapping and, and there's a phenomena of tapping called borrowing benefits where you go through the tapping points. There's nine tapping points on like your upper part of your body. And when you do it in a group and everybody's tapping, even though one, only one person is processing while they're tapping, you actually, your mirror neurons are actually like healing your own nervous system and and tapping into your own unconscious beliefs around whatever's being talked about. Mm -hmm. And like, this is evidence-based. They've studied this, they've proven this. Like it's so incredible what happens to us, not only hearing stories that are similar, but witnessing people release, like witnessing people cry, Mm -hmm. witnessing someone get to that point of like, oh my God, that was, that's it. You know, it's Mm -hmm. so, so cool. It's so powerful. Tapping is one of those things where I'm like, why did I not learn this? Yeah. And then you can do it yourself. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's crazy. It's, it almost seems like something people are maybe just kind of starting to catch on a little bit more, unless I just was like totally unaware of it. But I feel like now a lot of people I talk to and these things I've done, everyone keeps talking about tapping and I'm like, where was this three years ago when I needed it? Yeah. Well, I mean, therapy is only starting to barely catch up on the somatic the importance of like somatic experiencing Mm -hmm. and the body keeps the score I think was the first book that came out that was like oh we like literally hold this stuff in our body Mm -hmm. and that hasn't become like something that's been trialed and evidence you know tested and all the things it just takes so long for Mm -hmm. that world to catch on and like adopt something that I think they call tapping like the fourth the fourth wave or something where it's part of the somatic movement like just like you know freud in the very beginning was that was groundbreaking or it was like this can represent like my father or you know whatever it's like mm-hmm. so we kind of move through these phases and so understanding that the body holds so much for us is a really important piece of of how we now know how to heal for sure i know i'm going through some weird nervous system kind of body things right now so I'm yeah that's my focus this week but yeah it's yeah yeah, amazing Mm -hmm. 
the body does hold so much. And um, can you speak a little bit more about what your group um, sessions look like? I'm really interested to hear how you hold those spaces. Yeah, yeah. So when I have a group container, they have access to a library of videos that I've made. And so each week we go through a different topic, essentially. So they watch the videos coming into the call and really encouraging them to do the homework associated with the video and like think about what they want to process because I think the beauty of the group experiences is watching people process and being witnessed in your processing. And so that is what we do on the call is we do a really delicious grounding process in the beginning to get people into their body and out of the the spiraling chaos of the day, whatever that looked like. And then we start tapping and we process through what came up. And it's so wonderful to like teach people how body sensations, even if they don't know what they're thinking or feeling, you know, in their brain, they're like, well, I have sort of this like lump in my throat and it feels kind of weird. And when I think about the homework, like I get this, it feels like a, like have this furry ball in my throat. Like, okay, we'll start there. And then that leads into like stuff much deeper than the homework, mm -hmm. which is so cool to see that be on earth. And part of the beauty of tapping is it regulates your nervous system because we can't actually integrate trauma when we're not in a safe place. And so if you've been through trauma, whether that's complex or simple or little T or big T, whatever type of trauma it is, your nervous system is on the, is on high alert. And so your body is not going to be able to allow you to access the information unless it feels safe, unless the body feels safe. Mm -hmm. We could tell ourselves that we feel safe, but like our bodies don't lie. We can't, like, we can't lie to our body. So being able to regulate your nervous system while you're thinking about emotionally charged things it actually helps you move it into your conscious and be able to integrate it and release it. So they talk about release and EFT as, you know, yawning or crying or burping or it release can look a lot of ways. You don't have to actually purge or like do any like type of physical release. Um, but so much of this is subtle on the, on the body level that we don't even understand what's happening. So just trusting the method and trusting that your body knows what it needs to release. And it's going to bring you into awareness of what you need to see right now that you're ready for. It's so, it's such an important tool to not only use in group, but then also have a way to help ground yourself when you start spiraling out, when you get the work email that triggers you or whatever it is during, yeah. during the day. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the group sessions look mostly like that. It's a lot of a lot of tears, a lot of good tears. Yeah. Um, and the whole, the whole time that we're together, it's 12 weeks. And so we're moving sort of this through this arc of experience of, you know, bringing a lot of awareness to things, starting to talk about what patterns we can change. What is codependency? What is, what are boundaries? How, how do you set a boundary? Like this is all foreign, foreign stuff. Um, why we're addicted to chaos. We talk a lot about the addiction cycle and why we stay in these patterns and healing our inner child. We do a lot of, a lot of coming home, a lot of coming home to ourselves. Amazing. I think, yeah, people, I'm sure people probably love that too, by the end of the 12 weeks. So yeah, it's, we, awesome. have, we have a private platform that, um, we communicate on. So I do spot coaching there mm -hmm. in between mm -hmm. sessions. Okay. Because another part of what's really important about not going back and getting your drug is having someone you can like talk to in the moment. And so, you know, having that space where they can say like, I'm feeling extra vulnerable today. I got a message from him. Like I need help not responding or whatever the case is. It's, it's not only me offering the coaching through there, but the other women chime in and it's like, you got this, like I've been there, you know, it's so, it's so much more powerful to like, hear people who are also in the same or like hear that they're an inspiration. They're like, yeah. wow, you can do it. I can do it. You know? Mm -hmm. totally. um, and, and watching them lift each other up in that space is incredible, especially because a lot of times their friends have 
either set their own boundaries because they can't handle the person going back to the same person over and over, um, or they've self-isolated. And so having just people in general that understand what's going on where they feel safe, again, is might be a new concept that they haven't experienced in a while. Yeah, that's really beautiful. Um, thank you so much, Bree. This conversation has been so wonderful. I think we both learned a lot about just the work that you do and the options that exist out there. And I hope that this can help somebody to um, find help if they need it and to reach out if they think that they might be in one of these relationships that they can be helped through it. Um, do you have any final thoughts or words of advice before we um, plug in your, your info as well here? Yeah, I just, again, with the compassion piece of sometimes, you know, we're 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, and we're like, how have I not learned this yet? Like, how am I still in this cycle? And, you know, we're all on our own perfect journeys, and we all are dealt these specific cards for this lifetime that allow us to learn things at different times. And so, having compassion for yourself of like, okay, well, it took me 40 years to learn this. Some people get to learn it much earlier and then they have a different set of lessons to learn. Um, but as I'm, as I teach about what a healthy relationship even looks like, and people are just like appalled that they don't know this. It's like, if you weren't taught it, how do you know? Like if you went to Mexico and just assumed that you would know Spanish when you got off the plane, that would be ludicrous. <laughs> right? So allowing yourself to learn, no matter your age, no matter how many relationships you've been in, like be grateful that you're learning it now. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people are going to be behind you, right? And some people are in front of you, but like, wherever you are, this is your time. So if you choose to do the work and to integrate, like you will heal in a much more um, useful manner, it'll still be painful at times. But you don't need to add shame on top of the already painful experience, which is what we like. It's our human nature to want to judge ourselves and be angry at ourselves and all. It's like, it's not helpful. It's not helpful. So mm -hmm. meet yourself with compassion, find somebody that you feel safe with, whether that's a friend or a coach or, you know, whatever it is so that you can make changes that are scary to make. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Bree. Would you mind sharing? I did note we did take a look at your website. We did notice there are some free resources on there as well. But would you mind um, just sharing a little bit about like your social media platforms that people can find you on as well as um, what some of those resources are in addition to your mm -hmm. other offerings? Yeah, of course. So my Instagram handle is lucid living with Bree. And my name is just B-R-E. The website is Brie Walta, so B-R-E-W-O-L-T-A. And I do have some free resources on there. Um, I have a master class that's called Seven Questions to Ask Yourself. <laughs> or uh, no, it's not. It's called, yeah, Seven Questions to Ask Yourself if you think you're in a toxic relationship. Um, and then there is a mini series that actually leads you through how to help identify red flags and then identify some of your values and your needs and then move through the fear that comes along with all of the identifying and then making a decision. Um, and both of those come with free, a free session with me as well. So if you move through it and you have some awareness that you don't know what to do with, or um, you know, wanna talk through what the, what the red flags are that you saw, I'm, I always offer a free session for clients. So it's just a time for me to understand where you are and who you are and for you to get a good feel for me and if if we have a good vibe together if it's gonna if it's gonna work out so mm -hmm. um but yeah those resources are are just on my website um you can message me on on instagram or facebook too and i can pass you the link to those as well amazing thank you so much for joining us today and we look forward to seeing all the new stuff that you're posting on your pages <laughs> yes yes and if people come back with questions about the episode or like a specific topic they want to dive into i'm happy to 
happy to do it again, happy to give you whatever they're looking for, for clarity around, around their relationships. Amazing. Thank you, Brie. Yes, we would love to chat with you again. So yeah. thank you so much. It was so nice to meet you and learn more about this I think a very important topic that relates to probably most people so thank you again thanks for listening to support us please rate review subscribe and share and we'll see you next week for our next episode of the soul connection duo podcast